Listener Production. What will you do with your body when you die? I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto, and this is The Science Briefing, a podcast about the science of everything. When people say, think green, you might think not using single-use plastics, buying organic veggies, or maybe growing your own at home. You're probably not thinking, what's the most environmentally friendly way I can dispose of my dead body? Most ways we do this are incredibly carbon intensive, and cremation is one of the worst culprits. Today, Cosmos Magazine journalist Evram Yazgan on how your dead body could be harming the planet. And we talk about some of the greener, yet queasier methods to dispose of yourself. So Evram, I did have a bit of an inkling that cremation was bad for the environment. I mean, we're like literally burning bodies and then emitting carbon into the atmosphere, which we all know is terrible. But I honestly didn't realize just how bad for the environment it actually is. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty bad apparently. And to be honest, like before I started to look into this, I hadn't really thought about it much either. But apparently since the 1950s, cremation has become more popular than typical burials, as in like burying people in the ground with coffins. Sure. In fact, about 70% of Australians actually opt to get cremated. And the reason cremation is so bad for the environment has to do with the process. So cremation transforms the body into three things. It's ash, water vapor, and a lot of carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. According to the previous Department of the Environment and Energy, A modern cremator uses the equivalent of 40 litres of petrol for an average body, and an older furnace would consume up to twice that amount. Evram, that is a whole lot of petrol. Yeah, and in terms of just how much carbon cremation emits, uh, cremating a single dead body releases about 50 kilograms of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, as well as a bunch of other toxins. Whoa. One researcher actually estimated the environmental cost of cremation plus, like, if you were to have a funeral service on top of that. So if the funeral had, say, 100 guests, uh, I'm hoping mine would have at least that many. Yours would have thousands, everyone. Oh, thank you, Sophie. (laughs) All of those people driving to and from the event, the catering, all of the energy and bits and pieces that go into it, could release up to one ton of carbon dioxide. And that's the equivalent of driving a petrol car for six months. Okay, that is a huge amount of carbon. It is kind of interesting though, because I sort of had come to think of it as the better option out of a bad bunch of options, sort of environment-wise, considering how much effort and energy you'd think would go into a typical burial. Yeah, totally. I mean, regular burials still require a lot of work, so you're not wrong there. I mean, For instance, a typical burial, the body is embalmed and put into a coffin made usually from oak or elm. It's buried about two meters underground, sometimes under concrete. Formaldehyde is often used as an embalming liquid. So all of that carries its own carbon footprint in some way. And also in the last decade, there have been a growing number of reports that we're actually literally running out of space and land in places like cemeteries to bury people. Oh dear. Yeah. So there's a bunch of alternatives to things like burials, as well as cremation. These are more environmentally friendly ways to dispose of bodies, if you can stomach them. Okay, let's unpack this, Evram, because my dream has always been 
I'll get cremated, then my ashes would be crushed into a diamond, and then my diamond would be shot into space. But this is sounding like an environmentally unfriendly option right now. Potentially. So what are the other options when it comes to what you should do with your body when you die? Yeah, so if, like me, you're a bit of a fan of the macabre, then we'll go through them. Yeah. There are two different queasy methods I want to run through, but let's start with this one, which is human composting. Okay, I like that. Composting is good. Yeah, so this is the slang name, but it's actually called natural organic reduction. So brace yourself for the process here, Soph. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm channeling my future body. First, the body is placed into a vessel. Uh Uh-huh. In the vessel, there's a mix of soil, wood chips, straw, and alfalfa, so a type of plant. Like alfalfa sprouts? Exactly. Okay, good. (laughs) Yep, so you're on board so far? Mm Mm-hmm. From there, the body starts to decompose and it's left in there for a few weeks. Within about four weeks, it's no longer a body, but instead about 760 litres of hummus. Oh my God. Hummus? So hummus as in soil, not as in hummus the chickpea dip, which I also love, but it seems improbable that I will turn into hummus. Yeah, sorry. I think it's humus. (laughs) (laughs) So it is a dark soil. Now, after you've become humus, uh, your family is welcome to keep some of it. But keep in mind there's 760 litres of it. Uh, So what they don't keep is typically used as fertiliser. Okay, Ephraim, I love this. I just cannot imagine me turning into 760 litres of anything. Like, I don't know my volume right (laughs) now, but I'm pretty sure it's not close to that. Totally. And like people partitioning off tubs of you, it's great. Uh, But it's not the only method I want to talk about. The other one is called aquamation. Okay, this I can't even guess. What is aquamation all about? Right. So aquamation is the common name for this method. It's actually called alkaline hydrolysis. Okay. So this alkaline hydrolysis method was actually first thought of a while back now. But the term itself, aquamation, was coined by a guy in Melbourne called John Humphreys, who conducted the world's first official aquamation in October 2010. Mm -hmm. So aquamation, you can think of it as the fire-free alternative to cremation. Okay. Essentially, the body is placed into a pressure vessel, which is filled with an alkaline water solution of potassium hydroxide or sodium hydroxide. Okay. Or a combination of both. At the end of the day, you, you end up with a solution that has a pH of around 14. So it's very basic. Hefty basic. Yeah, unlike us. Yeah, we're not basic at all. (laughs) The solution is stirred and heated to about 160 degrees at high pressure to prevent boiling. Mm -hmm. Then after a few hours, the body breaks down into its chemical components and all that's left is a tea-like solution that's very good for plants. So again, the family can take home some of that sediment and scatter the minerals like you would scatter ashes. Evram, that is kind of incredible. I like that one. Yeah, and apparently it produces less than 10% of the carbon that you would get emitted from a cremation. Mm. So while aquamation is legal in Australia, it's not widely available. There are only a handful of companies that offer the service, and a lot of people don't know about the practice. Sure. But earlier this year, it was in the spotlight after the death of South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who actually requested that his remains be aquamated. And in fact, after Desmond Tutu passed away, the guy I mentioned earlier, uh, John Humphreys, who coined the term aquamation, Mm -hmm. he said that inquiries about how to get acclimated more than quadrupled. Well, that's huge. But I guess my question is, again, for my future death, 
When people are sussing out these options, I imagine that one of the major barriers here is how much these processes cost. Like, you know, if you shoot your diamond into space. (laughs) Totally. Uh, I'm sure that that would be on one end of the scale. Mm -hmm. But on the other, cremation is typically the cheapest. Sometimes it's just a few hundred bucks. Funeral services are obviously expensive. Things like aquamation, because they're not so common, are typically even more expensive. Currently in Australia, you can pay like a few thousand dollars or more. So the cost here is definitely a barrier for some. Okay, so Evram, we already have a lot to consider when it comes to the environment. And I mean, sort of, you know, the lingering effects of climate change and global warming. It is a little bit depressing that even in death, we carry some sort of environmental footprint. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of another blow that our last act leaving the earth could be harming the planet even more. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it, it is kind of morbid, but that's the reality now. And I think if we can change the dialogue around this, around both death and also the alternatives out there to things like cremation, it would be important and beneficial for all of us. So while it's not to everyone's taste or preference, these practices are actually slowly becoming more widespread. And the more people know about what options are out there, the better the outcome for the planet, I think. You can kind of think of it like making decisions about what happens after your death, which will be benefiting those who are still alive. Evram Yazgan is a science journalist for Cosmos magazine. This episode was based on an article written by Manuela Calari. That article is called, After Death, What? You can read that article by subscribing to Cosmos Weekly. Just head to cosmosmagazine.com. The Science Briefing is produced by Listener and the Royal Institution of Australia. This episode was produced by Jake Morecambe. Mixing by Dave Stein. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto. Catch you next time. Listener.